Welcome to episode 25 of the Sports on Point podcast. I am your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm Bob Williams. I'm the guy pressing the buttons. My name is Pod Severance. Welcome. Big show is lined up for you guys this week. We've got the upcoming World Series, which with these two teams, I think you might want to call it the local market series. These two teams being the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers. Congratulations to the Rangers for being the first time in the World Series. Also on the show, we have some basketball again. Is the NBA owners and players too far apart? Is the dreaded lockout coming? And then we also got the NCAA preview. Also, we're going to revisit our take on the illegal hits and uh, the feedback and fallout that we've seen um, around the NFL, around the league, since the, this has been talked about. Overall, a good week for you, so let's get on to this week in sports. Starting off with Wednesday, Miami Dolphins linebacker Channing Crowder says he'll keep using helmet. What do you think, Bob? Well, he'll keep uh, spending money out of his own pocket and possibly missing games if he keeps doing it. I don't see the NFL uh, stopping, you know, the, this memorandum that they want with all their players actually playing just a little bit cleaner. So, hey, if, if he wants to do that, good luck with uh, the punishment, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a stupid statement by a, a, a little bit of an ignorant football player in this particular case. He, he, he make, goes on to make statements that as long as the league gives him a helmet, he's going to use it. Well, the league gives him cleats, too. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to trample people. There's a, there's a lot of things that they give you that uh, are never intended to be used as a weapon. Uh, just just real, uh, real short-sighted statements here by Channing Crowder. Absolutely idiotic. All, all it's doing is putting a target on its back. On to Thursday... Duke Blue Devils, number one in the preseason men's ESPN USA Today coaches poll. Matt. Well, much like in the wonderful world of college football, I think that this preseason basketball poll is going to be completely worthless by uh, the end of the month. But that being said, I don't think it's a big surprise that Duke's number one. There's a whole lot of young basketball teams that are that are uh, out there this year, and it's uh, it's really hard to go against a team that has the pedigree of the Duke Blue Devils as the number one team coming into the season. Yeah, Matt, you definitely can't go wrong there. But look at the top ten just real quick. Duke, Michigan State, Kansas State, Pitt, Ohio State, Villanova, Kansas, Purdue, North Carolina, and Kentucky. No surprises there. Those are all big basketball schools. On to Friday, Dallas Clark of the Indianapolis Colts shelved for the season with a wrist injury. This from ESPN. Bob? Uh, this might actually be a little bit tough. I, I know the running games can been kind of getting beat up, and they do rely on Peyton Manning's passing. But you do have Pierre Garçon, uh, Austin Colley, Reggie Wayne. You have a healthy Anthony Gonzalez coming back. So I, I think there's enough to go around but it's still going to be tough because i know clark is definitely one of peyton manning's favorite targets yeah this is uh this is probably a bigger loss than most teams would see if they were losing their tight end not just because of the talent that dallas clark has but the way that they've been able to use him in a system where he's a tight end who can come off the line of scrimmage and and split split out into a slot position and and run a lot of the routes that receivers run that being said, um, I think they could fill a lot of the void just by putting another wide receiver out on the field, but uh, it doesn't really help you when you're lining up, lining them up uh, along the offensive line in traditional tight end format. 
Saturday's Hot Topic. Manager says that Brett Favre contacted Jen Sturger last year as well. What do you think about that, man? I think that I want this story to just go away. I mean, for crying out loud, the whole offseason is spent talking about Brett Favre. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Now we're going to spend the whole regular season talking about Brett Favre, Jen Sturger, Brett Favre, Jen Sturger. Interesting little fact, though. Saw this on Twitter the other day. Sturger spelled backwards is regrets. <laughs> that might be the most <laughs> interesting about, thing about this entire story. Uh, I agree with you, Brett, Brett Favre. Probably, you know, at this point might have have some regrets himself of actually coming back this year because it probably wouldn't be as big of a story if he wasn't out there playing. But, you know, I I would rather us talking uh, talking about, you know, the San Diego Chargers or or something football related, have the number one offense, number one defense and their sub 500. I think, unfortunately, what we're probably seeing from uh, doing this week in sports is that a lot of the topics that we're seeing on Twitter and Facebook are those gossipy things that would show up in tabloids and what people are talking about in the checkout line. Unfortunately, it is sports-related, but uh, we get some of the gossip and the crap there as well, and I think this is crap. Uh, Who cares? Play some football. On to Sunday. Auburn Tigers are ranked first in bowl championship series standings. Bob? All right. Honestly, what, what what other team do you want to put up there? Auburn's coming out at the vaunted SEC. They do have right now the leading Heisman guy in Cam Newton, and they definitely outlasted one of the toughest defenses in the uh, entire NCAA. Sure, LSU doesn't really have an offense, but you know, and, and until they keep uh, and, and, or until they lose, I, I have no problem with them being number one. All of a sudden, the hiring of Gene Chizik doesn't seem like that bad of an idea. I wonder if uh, Charles Barkley is uh, uh, eating his "they hired him because they're racist" type comments that he made to, uh, when when they when they hired the guy. Um, all in all, it's it's a revolving door at the number one spot in the BCS. Uh, it's just like you said, Bob. Who else are you going to put there? My two cents, Charles Barkley is a baldy, fatty McFatfat. On Monday, New York Yankees start changes. They fire pitching coach Dave Eland. Matt. Well, my first reaction to this was that maybe they fired him because they want to bring in uh, Cliff Lee's high school pitching coach so that they can lure him to their team. And then I realized that that's the only college football that does that. Uh, as it as it turns out, and we'll find out from the Tuesday headline, it may take a whole lot more than a new pitching coach to get Cliff Lee to come to New York. Yeah, you know, there's a status quo. Someone has to get the axe after a you know a lackluster or, in Yankees definition, not a World Series berth. So, you know, maybe maybe they'll bring in you know one of their old former players and, and get them in there, build you know the the Yankees again, but not not really that big of an issue. And rounding the week off on Tuesday, New York is making a case for bringing Cliff Lee there by harassing his wife in the stands. What do you think about this, Bob? Oh, gotta love fans. They seem to ruin everything almost. But, you know, as a fan, there are certain guidelines or places that you shouldn't go. And some of the stuff that they did, that they did like Matt was mentioning before the show about how they, like, chucked beers at her, it's not you know in there it it shouldn't be a part of harassing a player's wife come on 
Yeah, I'm trying to understand the I'm trying to understand the thought process that goes into this. If you're a New York Yankees fan, you have to know that Cliff Lee is going to be one of their offseason targets. So why in the world? Okay, let's say you're completely idiotic and classless. You got to be at least smart enough to know that you could, as a fan base, by harassing this woman, be costing the New York Yankees the number one blue chip in the offseason this year. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, but then again, I'm going to offend somebody by saying this, I'm sure, but they are New York fans, so we can't expect a whole lot of intelligence there, right? Right. This coming from a Cleveland Indians fan, so you guys can write in and razz on me all you like. (laughs) That's been This Week in Sports. We're now going to move on to our To the Point section. This is a section where we have an open format chat that will hit the main points in sports this week, but it also allows for more flexibility and opinion. And we can just have uh, an open chat. There's uh, really no agenda. We just want to talk about the main things going on. So what's going on, guys? Well, this week we are kicking off the World Series of Baseball. Of course, the uh, Texas Rangers going up against the San Francisco Giants in a matchup that nobody, nobody saw coming. Um, all in all, it should be a very, very entertaining se- uh, series, uh, specifically game number one. I don't know about you, Bob, but I can't wait to see Lee versus Lincecum. Yeah, this is actually very comparable to last year when we saw Lee versus Sabathia. Lincecum's coming in with a 2-1, and one, uh, I think a 1.39 ERA in, in the playoffs. If, if you're... <laughs> uh, you know, a fan who actually likes offense, you might just want to skip this game. It, it's probably going to be a one nothing, two one, two zero game. Now, it's it's interesting that you said that because I, I the one thing that I that I think about this World Series, for all the more compelling that these two teams are, you've got your Texas Rangers who have never ever ever won a playoff series before this year. You've got the San Francisco Giants who haven't won anything since they moved to San Francisco. Um, it, it, it's 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 pretty compelling in all of those ways. But I think that this is going to be a series that when we go back and we look at the numbers that they post as far as ratings, I think it's going to be terrible as far as the the television ratings. And I think it's one of those things that just, it really just points out how uh, sports fans in general, while we love the great stories about teams like this, we're still going to tune in only if it's the Yankees, the Red Sox and those teams as a, as a nation we, we want to see those teams playing in these big games and and uh it's it's kind of hypocritical on our part isn't it uh maybe but but you got to think about some of those other teams like the new york's the los angeles and the boston's they just have a generally bigger fan base yeah texas is a huge state but they also have the astros so there there, there's definitely a split in, in that market but honestly if if you're a true fan of baseball you're, you're going to try to catch one, you know, especially game one, just because of the pitching matchup. Sure. J- j- just, you know, Cliff Lee, phenomenal, phenomenal job in, in this in this playoffs. And, and Lincecum's right there. So I, I know I'm going to try to watch it. I, I don't know about you guys, but we'll, we'll see how it actually works out. But I'm excited. I'm actually probably one of the strange ones. I don't like seeing the same teams. I don't like seeing the big teams, the Bostons, the Yankees. The, You know, I would rather see someone who's never been there before, like Texas, 
I like seeing the um, the off-ed pieces that they do about hometowns and people getting together and I don't I, I like seeing the things that are not sports related that are brought into the national spotlight uh, through the things that they do through the um, you know the showcases and the vignettes and the video stuff that they do I actually like bringing the uh, human element into it and I think Texas um, you know being a, a large state and a cross-cultural um, thing that they got going down there it's it's gonna bring some neat things into the spotlight. So I'm actually looking forward to uh, to Texas's first World Series. Well, there's definitely a whole lot of human element in this series. I mean, after all, we've got uh, we've got Cliff Cliff Lee, who is um, probably the most talked about pitcher in Major League Baseball this season, aside from uh, Strasburg out in Washington. But uh, we've got Cliff Lee. You've got uh, all the things that have been going on with. Uh, with uh, Hamilton throughout the course of the season, the off season before, and you know all the things that he's come to overcome, drug addictions and the like. And then you've got uh, Tim Lincecum, who, by all appearances, appears to be enjoying all of the things that uh, Hamilton has just recently turned his back on. Obviously, I have no uh, no justification for saying that, but man, Lincecum just always looks like he's stoned to me. <laughs> Pass the torch, baby. Pass something. Pass I don't know. Maybe it's San Francisco. Who knows? Um, I, 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 just speaking of San Francisco, you have some stories there. Just the, the whole Cody Ross idea blows my mind. The fact that he was a waiver waiver pickup, and right now he's he's their big offensive production this entire postseason. That's a great story alone. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, going back to the whole, you know, lack of a big dog in this fight, um, I think that that numbers are always a little bit jaded when you talk about a team like New York and you talk about a team like Boston because of the fact that a lot of times when there's a good main stage matchup with one of those teams, a lot of people tune in early to see if that other team might be able to beat them. And then tune out late when they seen it, see that it's not going to happen. So uh, numbers get a little bit jaded when that happens. It doesn't mean that everybody in the world is fans of the Yankees and the Red Sox. A lot of times, myself included, I watch just in the hopes that they're going to lose. In this yeah, case, uh, yeah, you know, you can't you can't go that, especially as a small market team or or a, a fan of of the game. You know, you you want to see parity as much as possible. Because it, it does get drawn out and, and I want to say boring to an extent when you see the Yankees in there every year, Boston in there every year. It's it's not enjoyable as a fan unless unless you are a Yankees or a Boston fan. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what's uh, I'll tell you what's boring is thinking about next November and not having NBA because of the lockout that David Stern's talking about this week. It's, it, there's nothing like there's nothing like kicking off the NBA season today. Got the all-time, you know, such a heavily anticipated matchup between the uh, Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Got a couple of games later on tonight. Nothing like bringing that joy to a screeching halt by talking about salary reductions, contractions, and NBA lockouts. Just just from a, a standpoint of the whole lockout. This is something that they've kind of known for maybe two or three years uh, about this impending thing. You know, the players have been all nonchalant about, hey, this is their 
NBA. It seems like they want more control than what they should be given. And and the owners are, are I'm going to say honestly, sick and tired of it. The, the fact that there there is no parity in NBA. It's it's a game of these these men who pretty much are coddled since teenagers about their rights and how great they are. And, and it kind of shies away from the purity of basketball. So I, for me, I, I actually would not be against a lockout and, and the, the owners actually getting some control back. Yeah, the, the NBA far and away above and beyond what any other league uh, has going on is, is a league that the players run. The guaranteed contract amounts in this offseason was as big of a red flag in this area as any when you see players like uh, Joe Johnson walking away with $120 million. You see, uh, what did... What did uh, Rudy Gay got a ridiculous contract over $100 million. Yeah. He's not a superstar. He's a, good, he's a good functioning piece, but... Even when you look at some of the mid-level players like Darko Milicic making a, getting a $20 million contract or, or uh, Dwight... Amir uh, Johnson... Right, right, and and uh, uh, Gooden, just there was just so many ridiculous contracts handed out this year. And to be fair, okay, so yeah, these players are getting all this guaranteed money. There's a there's a collective bargaining agreement that is that is too heavily in favor of the players' union and not in favor enough of the owners. But at the end of the day, who's the one? Who's the one who's putting the signatures on those contracts? It's the players and the owners. So you yeah. can't come in and say it's the players' fault that they're making this kind of money. The owners are the ones signing the damn contracts. No, I'll definitely give you that. It's not the players' fault. It's the fault of the system itself. You know, the owners are right there signing all these horrible contracts and, and giving away this money, especially when they're not getting enough fans in, in, in the seats. But it, it all comes down to putting a better product out, out on, the, uh, on the floor. And at, we've talked about it before. All these mega teams are possibly leading to to the contraction. You know, as scary as that sounds, who you know, there there's just not enough good enough stars out there for them to be teaming up and forming these super teams. You know, where, where's where's the as a fan of the Cavaliers, how how is that fair that we can't keep a star? You know. Yeah, they want to go all buddy buddy and play off, but that's not part of the I guess the business the way it should be. You know, in, in all the other sports, yeah, you have your friends, you can do that, but they have certain things in place like franchise tags and, and different spending ways about how it kinds of keeps it a little bit more level of a playing field. Yeah, I've always I've I've always been a big fan of the soft cap that the NBA has. I think the way they've really gone wrong has been in, with guaranteed money and guaranteed contracts. Now, I think the contraction of the league is nothing more than scare tactics. Uh, I don't think there's a I don't think there's any chance that the NBA actually cuts those franchises loose. But at the same time, maybe they should. Maybe there are too many teams in the NBA, and maybe that's why teams like Golden State and teams like Los Angeles Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies, maybe those teams are so bad year after year because there just aren't enough players to have everybody be good. And when you run as poorly as those organizations are, well, hell, they're never going to be good. 
And when you go down that route, I, I, I agree with you. It is just a scare tactic, considering this is the same David Stern who was talking about possibly getting the NBA over in Europe. You know, with all the scheduling of different games over there, with a lot of the uh, Euro League teams, even over in China, I don't see contraction as an option at at this point, especially if they want to keep expanding it around the world. They're going to have to put some sort of thing together. It, you know, the, the players are going to have to realize that they have a little bit too much power, especially when you're holding franchises hostage. You know, this summer it was Cleveland getting held hostage. Next summer it's probably going to be Denver, then New Orleans. You know, you, you can't do that. Yeah, it's kind of a fault of the owners and building around this one star player, but that's how teams do it. You know, you build around that one person and, and fill in in the slots so it it seriously just needs to be as a system where it's easier to keep your your stars you know the birds rights that they have in there when they created that was supposed to help was supposed to give the the home team the advantage but as, as of this summer you can tell that 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 it doesn't work anymore I think the whole I think the whole uh, the the whole concept of whole concept of birds rights to me is 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 uh, a little bit on the humorous side because the, the whole concept came from the fact that the NBA was mortified at the thought that Larry Bird might be playing for a team other than the Boston Celtics. So they invent a whole concept called bird rights. They get it wedged into collective bargaining agreements and they make sure that teams like Boston can hold on to their stars. Now, as, as much as that's in, in the general well-being uh, of the league, um, now as we see it at the inception of it, I really think it was going towards pandering to your large NBA markets at the, at the uh, cost of the other teams around the league. It, it might have meant that way in the beginning, but definitely throughout its entirety, you have seen a lot of teams be able, like the Hawks this year, to be able to offer or uh, a full contract or a, a higher ceiling contract than everyone else. So as a player, you can say it's about winning championships, but it, it is about money too. So it, it definitely did give a benefit to some of the younger teams as long as they manage their teams correctly. Uh, again, we're, we're going to talk about probably the Clippers, Golden State, all these teams that are fear of con- in contraction, but it, it goes back to to the management. Look at Donald Sterling out in the L.A. What has he done out there? He's done nothing but draft young, promising guys and immediately let them go when their contracts are up. He's not, you know, he's not putting any money into the product. Now, and and uh, you know, I, I'm sure that has a fair amount to do with the, uh, you know, the league lot league wide losses is that. Uh, you know, you've got teams that are spending unwisely, and then you've got the teams that just aren't spending at all, and the product suffers. So I think uh, I think there's I think there's a whole lot of blame to go around for the NBA financially being in the situation that it's in. But ultimately, if you take a look around at everything else that's going on in the world, I I don't know that I feel too bad for the NBA because everybody's hurting right now. Yeah, I I don't feel bad for him again i'm a proponent for the lockout i want the lockout to happen that way we can get some actual parity back into the league uh that that you don't have like the milwaukee bucks or the golden state warriors who are constantly 
year in and year out just toiling in mediocrity. I, I don't want that for the game, and that's why I love football. Look what happened this past weekend. The Browns. Yeah, the same Browns who did horribly for the past 10 years. They finally showed some life. And and not saying that they're going to the playoffs, but it's a step in the right direction, especially since it's against a team that took that same turnaround here in the past few years in the Saints. And and it's tough in the NBA to do that. Yeah, with the uh, with the with the way that everything works, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the new collective bargaining agreement includes a franchise tag that the NBA teams can use, much like what the NFL does now. I'm sure that Dan Gilbert wishes that that franchise tag would have been put in place a year ago. Yeah, but, and I, I don't even think it's just him. It's it's going to be a lot of different owners if if they can be able to keep their stars, or even make it to where you have that only like break it down into tiers of how you can play you know you have one person who can make this much money then you have like a tier two where these people you know you can have two guys making this much money you know just just making a little bit more structured so you can't see three guys on the same team making 16 million while you're paying everyone else veterans minimum i i think that's where it needs to be done like they need to fix it and put some sort of structure like they have in the uh um contracts for the rookies you know it's all scaled and and whatnot yeah I, I think it's a little bit more difficult to scale the contracts of uh of veteran players just just based on how do you how do you determine with the with the rookies it's really easy to determine because you're you know a lottery pick you're a first rounder you're a second rounder you're the number one overall um, those are really quantifiable things, but I don't know how you go uh, after several years of service and say that this guy is worth this much, this guy is worth that much, um, and and <laughs> and not severely offend a lot of people. Well, you know, they're going to have to take a shot at their pride if they want to play the game that they love in a, in a sense. I'm not saying this is the way it needs to be, but it's something that they should definitely look at. They do have the veterans minimum contracts too and those are based on years and whatnot but you know you have your five five rosters you have salaries for your your top five guys some sort of slotting system where you pay those guys a certain amount and then you get the rest for for a bench that way it it makes it a little bit more even around the league i I guess that's that's what i'm just trying to put put out there is that I, i just want a level playing field you know, it's going to be tough for these cold weather teams to keep any any of their stars because they don't have a nightlife. They're cold. You know, that that's one of the reasons LeBron James didn't go to Miami. He went to South Beach. Right. Now, though, if you think about it, though, if you think about it, though, if the league as a whole is limited to paying each player depending on their skill level or, or depending on their experience if they say look you know this guy's worth this much this guy's worth this much and that's how much all the teams have available to pay that player then doesn't that hurt the small market teams because if i'm cleveland i can't pay anybody any more than anybody else so everybody's got the same salary that they're throwing around then why doesn't everybody just go play for miami or everybody just go play for phoenix or la or someplace where they want to be in the winter time yeah, no, I, 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 guess, I guess I'm taking getting a little off of where I'm going with it. Not in the slotting system where, you know, this person has to make this much money and this person has to make this much money. If you're a quality star, you're still going to make the money. I, I guess the biggest thing is right now we have Miami, who have three people on their team making 16 million. 
these guys took less money in order to do this. Well, what happens if, you know, only as a, as a NBA franchise, you only have one slot open for someone to get like 15 plus million dollars and then, you know, work it around something like that. I guess that's what I'm trying to do is trying to put it to where there's only one superstar option for each of these teams. So you're not you're not saying that the Atlanta Hawks can't play, can't pay Joe Johnson 120 million. You're just saying if you do that, you can't pay anybody else 120 million. Yeah, I, I, I guess like have it some sort of like tiered downward. Like okay, so you have the one guy getting 15, 16 million. Okay, you have two slots for people who can get you know who are supposed to be your supporting stars who are making like. Anywhere from ten to twelve million dollars, things of that nature. Again, this is just all postulation. I have no clue <laughs> how to fix the NBA, but it, it, just throwing out different ideas and get and getting them out there might might do wonders. Well, in that case, I'm going to do wonders with this one right here. My thought is, if you want to have better parity in the league, you want to have pay delved out to to the extent where players aren't overpaid and aren't underpaid i say standard contracts for players based on their years in the league and bonuses that are incentivized to escalate upward from there because if you've got just, you know, the, the Miami situation is a case in point. If LeBron James can play for Miami and play for Cleveland and he's going to get the same exact money in both places. I, don't get me wrong. I don't think this would have changed what happened with LeBron in this case because of the fact that, as we all know, he went to a place where he took less money. But if his money is drastically affected by his numbers – is he going to go somewhere where he's going to have to share the ball as much as he's going to have to in Miami? Or is he going to stay someplace in Cleveland where he knows he's going to get those numbers? Okay, I, I get where you're going with that. But then, then you're also not justifying those contracts to like a Rudy Gay where he might be on a, a different team where he's going to be the guy who puts up the numbers because he's, a, he's the only one there. But then, but then again, isn't he worth that much to that team? If it hinders them from re-signing either O.J. Mayo or Marcus Gasol, then no. And, and that's what their problem is going to be this coming offseason, is they don't have enough money because of the contract that they signed Rudy Gay to. Well, that's the thing, though, is Rudy Gay's contract is only guaranteed at up, up to a certain dollar amount. Everything above and beyond that is incentive. So... Those things don't count towards a salary cap unless he hits those incentives, which basically means that if they have him on the books for X amount of dollars, they can go out and sign somebody else, and that somebody else, if they're a star power or star player, going to come in and they're going to decrease from Rudy Gay's pay because of the fact that he's not going to hit those same numbers anymore. It's, okay. it's basically it's basically the same thing. I mean, we do this all across corporate America. It's called a commission. Yeah, let's pay NBA players a commission. That's that's going to be tough because then you start getting people who have egos, <laughs> and they're not going to worry about winning as long as they're getting their stats. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. 
But uh, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how much of that's going on already. <laughs> Probably, but you know, it, I, I guess it just boils down to the same thing that they're arguing about. You know, is is there an easy way to fix this? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just to just to make the point, I guess that uh, the answers aren't as easy as we hope them for, as yeah. as we would like them to be. And, I've got an easy answer. Let's all watch NCAA college basketball. <laughs> hey, I was making my segue, Bob. Thank you. <laughs> I guess the easy answer is that uh, I guess the easy answer is that there is no easy answer. Let's face it, the NBA is going to be locked out, but we never have to worry about that in the college basketball world because players don't play for contracts, at least in theory, in college basketball. No, we just have to worry about agents. Now the who best, pay them anyways. I think if you were to look at who the best paid players were in college basketball, you would have our top twenty-five list. <laughs> to, to an extent, yeah. Which, uh, which, as you mentioned earlier in the show, is just completely, completely, completely filled with big-name basketball programs. Not a whole lot of surprises in there. I don't think, anyways. No. Uh, not at all. Like you, you have Baylor and Missouri, but those are still Big Twelve teams. Gonzaga's always in there. Butler did really well last year. Georgetown's been strong. I, I guess the only really one that kind of doesn't stand out would be Temple. But I was just, I was just gonna say Temple seems a little odd to me, but uh, not too far fetched. I, I, you know, the thing is with the thing is with college basketball is that. So little is actually known about these teams. I mean, when you look at teams like Duke and you look at teams like Michigan State, they're one and two because you know what you're getting from those teams. Kansas State at number three is a lot of potential. Pittsburgh, a lot of potential. Ohio State's got a lot of young players on that basketball team. Oh, yeah. Country, number five in the country. Maybe they're not even close to that by the time we're a month into the season. Maybe they're better than that. We don't know. So when it comes down to it with a college basketball preseason poll – yeah, how do you come up with these ratings? You got to just go with it on chalk, don't you? You got to take the teams you know. Well, this is why we're not doing it <laughs> because we know we we'd probably come up with something very similar, which right. wouldn't really make us too wrong at this point. Uh, but <laughs> to to be honest, you're you're gonna have those people who come in year in year out, who you know your Dukes, your Michigan States, your Kentuckys when when the program's going well that they're going to be in there. But this is the, the the best part about NCAA basketball is this right now doesn't mean anything at all because it comes down to winning your conference and doing well in your conference tournaments. So you can sort of have a lackluster or okay season and still get into the big dance. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness we don't have a 96-team tournament coming up. Or a BCS fiasco. Fair enough. Uh, they they have their own BCS fiasco. It's called the RPI, and they never bothered to give them too much power like the college football world did. Yeah, but then you you have to get into the selection committee, which kind of kind of definitely tends to lean more towards traditional powers, especially when for the past few years Arizona's been decent, but they've been you know a nineteen eighteen even seventeen win program, and they're getting in just on the name. Sure. Yeah, and that's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So, but it, it, it's definitely a better, better system out there, you know, than the BCS. You, you have the option or the ability 
to get hot at the right time and get people healthy or get injured that might might hurt things and, and that's that's the joy of of college basketball the march madness the excitement the rush the unpredictability you know the 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 thing that i will say in in select selection committee versus bcs is when you're talking about a bcs system you're talking about which teams are the two best teams in the country when you're talking about a selection committee you're talking about which teams are the 60th through 65th best teams in the country yeah that's a whole different animal <laughs> and, and you know we expect we just expanded the tournament uh we we just expanded the tournament up to 68 because we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have four playing games playing games starting uh is that starting next year I think it might be this, yeah, this this coming year. I, I don't remember. It's either exactly. this coming or the year after. I I, I, I should have come prepared for, for class, but uh, it's it's either coming this year or the next year. And I, I'm gonna wince the first time I hear people talking about in and out when we're talking about the 68th or 69th best team in the country. And I, and another reason I'm so incredibly thankful that the NCAA finally got something right and they completely smacked down the idea of expanding to 96. Yeah, I, I think it might have watered it down a little bit too much in that sense. I, I have no problem with 68. I would have no problem with 72. As long as the, the people are getting out there that there's enough out at large bids that it shouldn't be a problem because you have your conferences. If you win your conference, you're guaranteed. You know, you have those guarantees in, in, in place. The only thing that this is going to help is those mid-majors that, you know, won their conference in the regular season but didn't do well in the tournament, their, their uh, conference tournament. So that, that's going to be nice. So you might see some more mid-majors get in there, hopefully, um, and, and you don't have your middle of the pack big, big East teams, which I, don't get me wrong, the Big East is probably by far the, the strongest conference out there. But I'd, I'd rather see some more mid majors or even other conferences, I guess. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, is there anything more exciting than watching George Mason in the Elite Eight? Or the Final Four, or 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 you know, watch Butler the, last year. Yeah, Butler last year is that that's what that's what March Madness is all about. So the the expanding it to sixty eight, if that's going to give us three more teams that are capable of being those teams, absolutely bring it on. Expanding it to ninety six, there aren't that many of those teams. So let's 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 leave that thought as far in the rearview mirror as we possibly can. So we are officially we are officially done with week one of the newer, kinder, gentler NFL. I, I, I say those things with a with a smirk on my face because I don't know if you guys watched a whole lot of games this week, but they didn't look any different to me. Uh, I, I didn't get to watch. I just saw some highlights, and you could tell that ESPN was totally totally talking about it uh you, you saw a lot more players when you could have easily taken the, the hit or, or you know taken out the receiver they pulled up they pulled back they didn't hit as hard they still got the play done but it wasn't your you know helmet hitting uh, another helmet or jaw dropping hits so I, I think it might have changed it a tad bit but nothing Nothing really that crazy. See, how much of this, though, is really appearances? I mean, I think just bringing to the forefront again that 
These things are constantly in the minds of the NFL referees. They don't want helmet-to-helmet contact. They made a point last year um, to bring it up more often. And this year, you know, I almost saw this as a reminder that, hey, this is a rule. Uh, we're going to call it. And it's just on our radar now because we saw a lot more of it. But I didn't see much uh, change in the way of play, you know, on Sunday. I, I, I certainly I will. I will boldly say that I saw no decrease in the product that I watched on Sunday. The, the, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a little bit of a rant here because the way that, and, and Bob, you brought this up, the way that ESPN has covered this, the way that all of the media outlets have covered this, and, and the way that it has been reported back from what, what players are being quoted of saying, just to me has shown a blind eye to what is being done here. It's, it's been played out to be that they're doing all of these new rules to change the way that the game is played, and there has not been a single, single new rule passed. There is no rule passed. What we've done is we've taken the fine for speeding in a school zone, and we've taken it from being a $50 fine to being a $100 fine. It was already illegal. All we did was increase the punishment. Right. And when we're talking about these hits, these helmet-to-helmet hits, these are unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the field of play. So when you go out there and you do these hits and you get called for these calls, it's a 15-yard penalty that hurts your team. What we have now is we have a suspension that hurts your team more. So this yep. whole concept that we're introducing all these rules and we're turning it into flag football is a complete and total lack of an understanding of what is going on. And all of the players and the NFLPA president, Kevin Mawai included, need to take time and take a look at what is going on instead of running their mouths off on the paranoid and the, the sense that they have in their heads that the game is being taken away from them because nothing is changing. I think your speeding ticket analogy was perfect. Um, anytime you see an abnormal increase, and I think with just uh, you know four ESPN level hits, you know last week, whenever you see that abnormal increase, uh, you got to do something to curb this because I think when you see those things on ESPN and the highlights and, and them getting the the news, you it's there were they were afraid more than anything else that this was going to start a new trend. Because, unfortunately, a lot of them weren't called as penalties in the game. And I think in order to stave that off, they said, hey, let's increase the fines. Let these guys know that this has been a rule. And, yeah, even though we didn't call it right, we're just reminding you that it's always been there and it's still going to be there. And we're going to stiffen the penalty just so that it, it you know, keeps it fresh in your mind. That's all, all I saw this as. But I didn't see a change in the product. And to be fair, I think a lot of the responsibility there has to come down to the referees. Referees have to be have to be indicated when they miss those calls because those calls happen on the field of play, and the referees need to catch them. Yeah, there should absolutely. Be, there should be flags on those plays, and that is a travesty that that's not happening. But just because the tree falls in the forest and doesn't mean and nobody was there to hear it doesn't mean that tree didn't fall. Doesn't mean that the damage wasn't done. Right. No, but the 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 NFL in general has always gone over certain plays in each game and, and reviewed. They pretty much have people sitting there reviewing the entire game after the games are done to look to look for these hits. Some of them are a lot more obvious than other, 
as long as they're they're checking this and and it's a clear cut decision yeah it, it really isn't going to hurt the product at all you know it, it's it is illegal like you were saying it's just the fact that they're kind of bringing this to the forefront and okay the players shouldn't be doing it in the first place i don't know if you guys remembered last year but um, I remember specifically watching with my wife an NFL-sponsored initiative um, that was a, a series of commercials that talked specifically about head injuries and concussions. I think overall the league is putting a lot of um, their time and money in advocating that they are doing what they can to safen uh, the sport, and there's a lot that they could be doing to that, and I, th I think that they're just reiterating that idea. But uh, very specifically, last year I, I saw it was it was almost comical in a sense, you know, when they're talking about head injuries and and that type of thing. And it, I'd have to bring up some old commercials to kind of revisit why I thought it was comical at the time. But you know, I, I really think that that for the last two years, especially, has been in the forefront of the NFL. Um, like Matt alluded to last week, they're they're paying uh, past players medical bills and. And all these things, and I really think that uh, since everything's out there, um, people are seeing this stuff, like I said last week, in more high def, they have to make it at least seem, and not necessarily seem like they're doing something, they want to let the players know this is, this is a rule. And even if it doesn't get called all the time, we have the ability even now to, like you said, Bob, go after the fact, review the games, and, and make sure that all of the hits and all of the plays that are made are done in a legal fashion according to the rules of the game. Now, that that's interesting because that, that brings me to another beef I have with the whole reaction we've had over this, is the whole, the whole concept that this has been a knee-jerk reaction by the NFL is a, is a, is a mindset that is unresearched. Because of the fact that, as you said, there's been initiatives over the past, and it wasn't just last year. It's been the past couple of years about the impact of head injuries, prolonged head injuries, uh, it, you know, in, uh, increasing numbers of concussions over the course of a career, causing players to have their careers ended short like, uh, like uh, Steve Young did. This is not something that's new. And specifically in the preseason this year, all of the teams were given videos to show all of their players specifying particular types of hits that happened in actual gameplay that were going to be a focus of the NFL this season and that they needed to make sure they abstained from making those types of hits. What happened when they passed these new punishments for these same rules that they've already had in place is they recirculated the exact same video to all of the teams. This is not something that's new, as I mentioned before, and it's not a knee-jerk reaction. This is something that we have been seeing for multiple seasons. So the whole outrage from the Players Union and from all these people, to me, is just inexcusable. No, this, this actually sounds like something, uh, as a parent, that you do to your kid. You keep yelling at him for the same thing. You tell him the same way how to fix it he never fixes it he finally gets pissed off at you and he, and he goes and complains about it you know oh hey my parents are abusing me they're hitting me no they're punishing you because your lack of actual care or paying attention to the rule set forth yep. so i 
I, I definitely get get where you're coming from on that. It's kind of ridiculous that the, the players' union is stepping up and having this such a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, it's the it's the union that's had the knee jerk reaction. You said it exactly right. <sighs> I think people too worried that the uh, viciousness of the game or that the purity of the game is going to be lost by reducing the amount of head injuries. Don't really understand how the game of football is played. I mean, you know, to the purest, tackles are made, you know, wrap the knees up, take them down low, you know, and you can hurt people just fine without ringing their bell and making them see stars. They can be, you know, in the ice chest, you know, for the next week. They can be having the cold compresses uh, on other parts of their body, other than rattling their brains around in their head. I just really, I really think that, you know, a lot of people are just over-sensationalizing, um, you know, the purity of a, of a head hit in the NFL. That's never been part of the game. Just, no. just so you guys know, I just did, a, just did a quick little eBay search, and I found basic tackling fundamentals from College Choice DVDs. Um, only thirty-eight seventy-seven on eBay. So, uh, and uh, maybe all the defensive coordinators need to uh, to to dig this one out of their closets and uh, uh, show it to their players because you don't have to lead with your helmet to make a tackle. No, you're supposed to lead with your shoulder. And I've never played football, and I know that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I I almost wanted to go to James Harrison and guys like, you know, uh, what's his name, Channing uh, Channing, Channing Crowder. Crowder that you talked about earlier today. And say, all this really says to me is that you're not an athletic enough player to make the plays the way that you need to make them uh, in order for them to be legal. You know, anybody can be a brute. You can get, I mean, look at, you could take somebody off the street and they could be scrappy and nasty and gouge your eyes and do all this stuff. But they wouldn't put them in a match with a UFC fighter. There are still some ways that you play the sport. And, and that the rules are created for the, both the sanctity of the sport and also to promote athleticism and not just sheer brute viciousness. Um, you know, and for anybody to think that that's you know, a great part of the game, I just, I just think that uh, they're really missing out on what makes the game special, and that's you know, playing it right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get you. It, it, it's kind of similar to the shoes we were talking about a few weeks ago, the performance-enhancing shoes. So, so you're not good enough or you can't jump high right. enough that you need to do something illegal in order to be a player. It, it, it's definitely ridiculous. And any time that all these people are talking about these illegal hits and how they, they are still going to go out and do them, you're engineered as, as a football player to be an athlete and you should be able to do this within the actual rules and regulations to succeed and before before james harrison has said anything is he's a perfect example you know an undrafted guy or a late drafted guy who plays the game right and actually gets onto a team and gets the playing time and then as soon as he becomes big oh he's going to try to take advantage of everything else to stay there I think that the moment in time that this this whole story reached the insanity level for me was listening to The Herd on ESPN Radio this week 
and hearing a interview between Colin Cowherd and Bill Romanowski where they essentially made Bill Romanowski out to be the expert on the subject. Any time that the voice of reason in a story comes from a guy who broke ocular bones in one of his teammates during a preseason practice session, that's my voice of reason. Right. That's when you know that anybody covering the story has completely lost their mind. Yeah, especially Coward works for ESPN, doesn't he? Yes. Especially when you have people who are out there who have played the game, who they have on staff, who have played it right. Um, we know Matt Millen wasn't the greatest GM out there, but he he played the game right. And he was never anywhere near as crazy as Bill Romanowski was. The, the fact the fact that anybody just can, can listen to anything that Romanowski says and... Uh, the only thing he's an expert on in the entire world is the effects of steroids on the mental psyche of an athlete. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, he is no better in any way, shape, or form than uh, Jose Canseco. And if he wants to come on the mic and he wants to talk about steroids, then put him on the mic. But if he wants to talk about anything else, shut him up. And I hope he just didn't hear me say that because the man is crazy. <laughs> Well, if anything, they've succeeded in getting us talking about this more than their fair share. I think obviously what a lot of uh, sports news establishments are going to do is they're going to get people talking. They're going to get people uh, angry and upset about um, both sides of the argument. There are people that feel passionately about this. That's why we're talking about it. We've talked about it for you know 10 minutes or whatever. Um, it's, it's something that people feel passionately about on both sides. Ultimately, though, everybody needs to take a step back and say we have to do what's right for the well-being of and the health and safety of the people playing the game or else it doesn't become a game. It becomes a gladiator sport and we're back in, you know, Middle Ages or the Roman Empire, you know, where they just threw people out to lions, you know, and and that's not what sports are, so. Well, that being said, I think it's about time we throw this podcast out to the Lions, gentlemen. I'm good with that. I'm down. I think, right. we've, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground this week. It's been a good show. Let's, good show, uh, guys. Let's cue Great the show. outro. We will cue it. This has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send your suggestions on how we can improve the show in your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646 646- Three nine point that's six four six three nine seven six four six eight. I'll be looking forward to all you people in New York sending me your comments on how I insulted you this week. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll bring you. We'll be back with you next week with lots of new and exciting sports topics for you to chew on. Or we'll just regurgitate the same things we've been talking about for the past twenty five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the NBA.